P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. So, Kyle, we have a political episode today, a political documentary. Always fun to talk about politics. Yes, of course. Um, Can't offend anybody. So I have a question for you. If you were president of the United States, how long would this great country last? Forever. Because it's me, and I love this country. And I don't tweet. (laughs) (laughs) And you're you're going to have dictatorial powers, and once you're dead, why does it matter anyway? Exactly. (laughs) No, no, no. My real question was, if you were president, not so much what would you do, but who would your cabinet be? Ooh, you got, but, yeah. And to be clear, dead or alive, famous people. Don't pick your dad. Okay, that's fine. I know he's not famous, but probably a fan of the show, maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> You're going to have to help me out. You're going to have to tell me. Yeah, yeah, I'm the... pulling up my list right here. Okay. Don't worry. I know you're not so cabinet savvy. No, I'm not at all. <laughs> so... Secretary of Defense. Tom Coughlin, former Giants, two-time Super Bowl winning head coach. Kyle's a big New York football Giants fan. Go Big Blue. I'm not surprised. Not your the current coach? No, Tom Coughlin. So current Jaguars general manager or president or something? I forget exactly what position <laughs> he was given, but sure. Yeah. Okay, Secretary, Secretary of the Treasury. Who's watching your money here? Uh, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder is watching your money. How's he going to see the bills? He can't. I well, how does he count money regularly? Maybe it's like in Ray. What? I trust him. He's yeah, exactly. Like he counts singles. Yeah, it's all singles. <laughs> a lot of singles. Your attorney general, uh, Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria. Yeah. <laughs> he could do a lot of funny voices as the attorney general. That's fair. In court, he could be like the witness yeah. and like the yeah, he just come in and he talk like really tough. Secretary of the Interior. Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart, why? Yeah, well, she knows her interior designs. <laughs> okay, okay. I guess I, I guess I walked into that one. <laughs> uh, it's a big one here, Secretary of State. Ooh. Um, mm, Anthony Bourdain. He's well traveled. Yeah, he kind of rubs people the wrong way, but he's a Jersey boy. <laughs> Going with my Jersey boy. He, I, I think he, he would do well. Like He's had cuisine from all over the world. and He's got some city miles so, on him. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got grit. And I guess last, but of course not least, who's going to replace you once you're inevitably assassinated? Your vice president. In a perfect world, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Our main man. Can't go wrong. Won't disagree with that. He has political experience from, from this documentary. Yeah. And from a couple movies. Yep. <laughs> Iggy Pop! Amen! Let him wreck! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, that's a paper. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish! <laughs> I'm always home, I'm on cool. This is a process of dehumanization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hi, Hall fans. Welcome to this week's edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. Today we have a documentary, our first documentary, not a narrative film, though we've cited documentaries in the past. This is the first time we're focusing on one. 
Yeah, I mean, we weren't sure at first if we were going to include it, but since Philip Seymour Hoffman is such a big part of it, it's not like a documentary that he's just interviewed to give some insight. He is the host. He is like the narrator yeah. of this documentary. So, you know. We did religion briefly in Leap of Faith. We'll touch religion again in doubt. But now we're going to talk some politics. So we had a little bit of church and now a little bit of state. Exactly. And we're going to mesh them together because that's how it ought to be. No, I'm just kidding. But today we'll be talking about a film called The Party's Over. Yes, and we have a guest, and his name is Dan Pichel. Welcome, 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 Dan. It's Pochel, actually. What did I just say? You said Pichel. Pochel? Pichel? It's just like I'm, Jer- I'm from New Jersey. I'm Pichel. Hey, hey, oh, hey. Oh. Dan Pochel. Daniel J. Pochel. Yes. There you go. That's what we're excited. <laughs> Hi, Dan. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be on. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you here. You're our uh, political guy, I guess. The politi- political c- correspondent of the, sorts. The guru. So, Dan, we've known one another for, I mean, how many years now? Since, I guess, like 2009, 2010? Uh, yeah, so, around then, I think. Uh, uh, we both went to the same school. Ramapo College is our alma mater, and I think you were a freshman when I was a senior. And I don't think we met that year. But no, then, we didn't. We we both worked for uh, the media center and Zach Bressler, who has been on for Boogie Nights. Zach Bres- Zach Bressler is 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 yeah. our is our our mentor. He is. He's our mentor. And God God help us. We've gotten a lot of work through him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still, God help us. But yes. <laughs> but yeah, but you are. I mean, you work in production just like yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. And but you've also had like a little bit of uh, like a. You've done work in politics, is that correct? Yeah, I, I, I thought I thought it was going to be a career, and um, the uh, um, I, I'm going to steal I'm going to I'm going to steal a line from someone that I heard it before, but it's uh, you could, I'm either a aspiring politician or a failed politician, depending on who you ask. Um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, I I was the youngest person to run for office in New Jersey in 2013, youngest person mm-hmm. to lose as well. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, I was, besides being a candidate, I also served as much more uh, 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 fancier of a title than it sounds. But I was the executive director of the Passaic County Regular Republican Organization in 2014. Oh. Yeah. We lose. We lose a lot. That's why I was able to rise so high. <laughs> <laughs> being, being a Republican well, in Passaic County in New Jersey is like being um, the, uh, the Republican chairman of... Uh, Brooklyn. <laughs> well, well, that's that's what my next question was going to be. Why don't you tell the audience where your politics lie, if uh, you're comfortable with that? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Uh, I am a I'm a registered Republican, I guess, obviously. Um, so I yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I'm also I'm, I'm a I don't like the term conservative because I think that has a lot of weird connotations. I'm like a a right wing kind of <laughs> libertarian. That's kind of where I, I feel most comfortable. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people are in... I mean, even this documentary, they didn't say libertarian. Although we got Gary Johnson, the I know. I was candidate. so happy about that. That was, <laughs> that, was, that, was like, that was like peak Gary Johnson when he was like... Before he got all crazy and started working in the pot companies. Like, this was like he was governor of New Mexico. He was doing great things. Yeah, I then, was going to say. I'm like... Like that was like that Gary Johnson. I think more people could have got behind than the Gary Johnson we got. 
Although, I mean, he wasn't even being progressive for that time in the video. He was saying, you know... Oh, no, 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 I get that aspect of it, but, like, the Gary Johnson we saw in the last election was a little bit loony at times. I think he's become probably much more of, like, an isolationist, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) Well, I, I... I also I also think that that the media really performed a really big head job because I think Gary Johnson represents like a big thing that that the establishment in this country does not like. You know, he 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 he's very different and he has, he he he's listen, Gary Johnson still pulled down a good solid like I want to say like 5% of the vote, which is like kind of kind of crazy when you think about it considering how the media kind of tried to like destroy him. But he was a little crazy, let's just be honest. He's probably smoked a lot of pot, let's just be honest. Yeah, it's that, and then obviously the media maybe made it bigger than it was yeah. when he didn't know what certain things were, like... What is Aleppo? Aleppo. Yeah, Aleppo. <laughs> so yeah, I don't even pronounce it correctly. What is Aleppo? Um, You're also not running for president, Kyle. Uh, well, I haven't let you guys know yet. Well, no, I'm not, th- <laughs> I'm not th- with, is it 34 or 35? It's 35. So, I still have some time before I can run. Are we all telling our political, like... If we want, I mean... Okay. I, I too, am a, a registered Republican. I'm, I'm definitely... I did it more out of spite, actually. <laughs> the first election I could uh, vote in at Ramapo, they just had Obama propaganda up, and with for, for where you would, um, you know... Uh, registered a vote, and I just I I didn't like that at all. So I just kind of went up and I said, "No, I'm going to register to be a Republican." I was kind of I was kind of the same way. We kind of have like a similar story, but I was I w- I came into college in 2000, and I came into college in 2008 with with Obama McCain, and that's when I I was like a flaming liberal in high school. Like I'm really <laughs> like I'm really disgusted by some of the things. Like we used to have mock debates in 2007 in our senior year for our world and current events. And I always my uh, I always played Hillary Clinton, which I I'm kind of ashamed to admit right now. But I was also playing Mike Huckabee during the Republican debates because that was just fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'll have to be the resident um, liberal here, though I don't consider myself much of that. I don't like to put titles on anything. It's sad that we'll have no Democrats today. I I am an independent. Uh, I sort of don't believe in the party system, and I have some issues constitutionally, but I don't want to discuss that on this podcast. Well, we maybe, call we, well, we, it's, it, what we you're what we call in the business a soft D. That's a technical term. You can quote me on that. Well, it's, I'm sorry. Like, I, what I, does I the heard, soft D I, stand for? Yeah, soft <laughs> Democrat. Oh, okay. I thought it might be something more offensive. I mean, if you could, you could take it. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. I don't like to associate myself with, with the party system. However, for th- this podcast, I will lean as left as possible to balance out the chi in the proverbial room. Yeah, I mean, I'm not And that's a leftist to, statement I just said. I'm not trying... <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to paint a picture of, like, either of us. I'm not going to speak on the behalf of Dan, uh, although we've had plenty of, like, conversations. But, I mean... I'm definitely what you just said as far as you don't like to put yourself to one party, Brian, or declare yourself to a party. I definitely, I don't, I, the biggest thing that I still, that I just say, like, why I did that is the story that I just gave, that little anecdote. And the other thing is just as far as, like, Republicans go, I like the basic idea of more state, less federal, 
But besides that, there hasn't really been too much I've been agreeing with the party in recent years. So, well, you, you know, but that's not where we're talking about. We're talking no. about the 2000 election. As well, yeah, exactly. So. And that's and I'm I'm super excited by this. <laughs> I'm, I want to talk. I want to talk about this movie really bad. As you mentioned, Kyle, we are discussing this because our guy Philip Seymour Hoffman is actually the host of this. He's not the director. Do you have the director's no. name? Rebecca. Shalikin, right, and Donovan Leach. I didn't know who they were. I didn't yeah, I, I looked on up in the one Donovan. He's he's an actor, and he was just not like a big time actor. And then she's made some other documentaries. Uh, to be honest, like I saw n- nothing of that I recognized, or that you know, like you know, or I've seen, or I've recognized. I should say so. Gotcha. And and, and he's our host, and we know Hollywood leans a little bit left a little say, bit to say the least <laughs> um so it, i wouldn't say this is a they're, down they're, the they're, middle they're, documentary they would be what we call brian hard d's gotcha hard d's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of softy hard d conversation today yeah but, but um <laughs> i'm serious this is what this is this is how we we we, we uh, categorize people when we're making those phone calls how yeah. you label the people yes yeah this is oh, we, we have an excel sheet and there's a whole thing for you know Soft D, hard D. So this is made by a bunch of hard Ds, I guess. Yes, lots but of hard Ds in this video. I think it does. I don't think it posts itself as that. I think that uh, at least Philip Seymour Hoffman seems a little bit like questioning the system rather than yes. this isn't like uh, Fahrenheit 9/11 we're watching. You know, no, I, though I we see s- Michael Moore. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> say I would say this is a pretty balanced documentary although the one thing i really caught on to so like i like you said philip Zimmer hoffman is very much like he's just questioning both parties and is more in tune with at the time what was that called the the green party and ralph nader uh, yeah ralph nader yeah they're definitely and, pushing ralph nader at some point yeah but nader leduc 20 moments 2000. that i saw like a little bit of that that they're uh favoring one side more than the other is through like the editing and through uh, and then music in the editing there was like much more like not like you know not music playing at the conventions but when they were showing that footage there was like much more like heroic triumphant music playing underneath uh the democratic footage that's just something i caught you know i actually think that he's pretty hey at least he tries to be down the middle uh-huh. philip seymour hoffman but i feel like the directors are more the ones just to your point, Kyle, more than ones who skew it very oh, yeah, left at certain yeah, points. Yeah, if that wasn't cl- clear, that's definitely what I was tr- uh, like giving that example for, is that he was you know, trying to be down the middle. At the but, very least, he's open-minded. You know? Yeah, sure, that's, that's good to say. But Dan, Dan, what did you think? I mean, like, I, I went into this movie, when I, look, when I looked at the cover, I was like, this is, this is going to be like some, some hit piece about how you know, in two because th- because I because you went in, I went into this with like a lot because I like I'm like a bit of a political junkie so like I pay attention like two thousand was something that like I studied to death you know like I didn't I wasn't necessarily I mean I was eleven years old at the time of this so like I don't have yeah. like I wasn't co- I was cognizant of it but I wasn't like really super interested in it and I went this was like one of those things that I really kind of studied because I thought it was just incredibly interesting because um, there's a lot of implications that went around mm-hmm. in that time. But I went into this thinking, like, I looked at the cover of the DVD. I was like, this is obviously going to be uh, a group of bunch of Hollywood liberals going in and say, uh, Democrats, good, Republicans, bad. And quite frankly, I kind of I kind of got the, like, they tried to mask it, but they really went really hard with, like, 
you know, Democrats bad, Republicans bad, but Democrats at least still have a soul. You know, I feel like that was kind of like the, the message they were trying to give was, you know, like the, 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 the key point for me was like, like it was like a tale of two interviews, right? So when Philip Seymour Hoffman was interviewing Jesse Jackson, they made, they yeah, made, yeah, yeah. they made a specific point of including, and I'm I, I, like a minute and a half sequence of them all fawning over the fact that they're going to get to talk to Jesse Jackson. And then later on in the video, yeah, I mean, they get, I mean. they get like a soundbite from Newt Gingrich. Like they're obviously having a conversation with Newt Gingrich and it's just like, Oh, okay. You know, it's like, that's those like those little, <laughs> yeah. It, well, I mean, it's like, and I, I, the one thing is, is Philip Seymour Hoffman Jewish? No. no. Oh, okay. No. Okay. Cause it's like, I mean, Jesse Jackson is such an appalling person to me in general. <laughs> I think he's just, he, I mean, he's anti, he's anti-Semitic a hundred percent. You know, that's why his presidential ambitions were thwarted because he's just an awful human being. And he tries to. Make, <laughs> I know. I, I hate. I hate Jesse Jackson with like a passion. But I get you need to talk to him because a lot of people respect him and he's a big thing. But like, like yeah. that. They had to include that minute and a half of them fawning over him. And then later on, you have Newt Gingrich, who at that time was a pretty big deal, and only have a couple seconds of talking to him. Like, granted, I don't know if they only had a couple seconds, yeah. but it's like, like those little subtle things, like with the music, you just like. The Democrats are hip and they care and they love and and then the Republicans were just like a bunch <laughs> of old white people stuck up talking about all these things like like whenever they show like uh, the most interesting thing to me about this movie was like Democrats and Republicans have this like image like this like this stereotype right and that stereotype yeah. has evolved like the Democrats like like Phil Seymour Hoffman in this movie was like the to me, like the prototypical kind of like '90s grunge Democrat, you know. Like I care, <laughs> but I don't care how I look because I don't shower in the morning, you know. Uh huh. Yeah, and and like that look evolved, but the Republican image always stayed the same. It's like the 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 old person, your old uncle who screams racist things <laughs> in the corner, or the 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 white guy with the button up talking about uh, individual rights, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're passionate, Dan. You're passionate. I'm very passionate. Yeah. This is my thing. <laughs> yeah, so to get back to what you were saying, they definitely, I mean, you know, I, I don't know, I wasn't there, you know, I, I wasn't there, you know, you can't say, like, I can, can't say with my own eyes at this convention, this is what it was, this is, you know, these are the people that attended, these were the people that didn't attend, but they definitely chose to show when it came to Republican side, like older people, and they made it a point to show like NRA stuff and show uh, Christian, you know, right wing, and you know Philip Seymour Hoffman's like confused face, and that's all that's all fine and dandy because I'm not a re- religious person. But anyway, um, well, I I think like more more to your point, I think the ultimate like if there was like a bias in this, like if if there was like a bias. It was not towards mm-hmm. Democrats. It was not towards Republicans. It was to like the fringe kind of like I'm a liberal, but but I'm not part of the Democrat establishment. You know, what I mean, like, well, yeah, I mean, look how much they highlight that like Rage Against the Machine, yeah. outdoor protest, and that was at yeah. the Democrat con- uh, yeah. national convention. That yeah, year. that was a crazy thing that I didn't know, and like I was like, oh, okay, good, they're showing this. I mean, that's what like they did try to talk to and show, you know every side and different ages and different like from wealthy to middle class to poor and just like you know talking to people on the streets um 
But yeah, no, that was crazy. That whole concert that was going outside. Yeah, definitely want to get into that. Um, before we confuse our audience, though, Kyle, I don't want anyone, anyone to ever miss out on this. Please, Kyle, your synopsis, synopsises, your summary of this film, The Party's Over. Okay. The Party's Over, a.k.a. Last Party 2000, because that is what it's referred to on, uh, as on both IMDb and a couple other places, it's got a double name, is a documentary that covers the last six months of the 2000 election of Gore versus Bush. Philip Seymour Hoffman and the filmmakers... Tr- try to talk with all sides to get to the bottom of the election and our two-party system. Awesome. And I, I never flaunt this. You know, I never talk about this. I don't like talking about myself. But finally, I can put my degree to good use. <laughs> I was a government and politics major in school. So, yes, you were. So now I finally, want, the one time in my life I get to use that. Well, hopefully not the only time, though, Brian. No, I, I I will not be running for office. Too many skeletons in this closet. <laughs> well, you don't have to. You back, don't have to run for office. You can deals. run people for office. Because let's be honest here, you know the real power is in the guy behind the throat. Jesse Roger Stone's documentary. Shh. It's obvious. <laughs> yeah, Stone, Brian, Brian, Stone's rule. The little finger. Pretty much. I mean, I, I read The Power Broker when I was like. In the early years of high school, so I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to digress too much from this, but I have read The Power Broker twelve times. I love, love, love. Wow! That yeah, and that's a wow. commitment. That's a commitment. That's a big, big, <laughs> that big is a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> Robert uh, Moses. Yeah. Ro- I mean, Robert Caro. I mean, it's like Robert Moses was like, as far as like my political heroes. Ironically, they're mostly Democrats. It's Robert Moses, Al Smith, and Huey Long. But wow! Yeah, I know, right? Shocking. <laughs> not not Al Franken. No, Al, Al Franken is what we like to call uh, the, uh, we call in the business a hack. <laughs> wow, wow, that's a sitting U.S. senator you're talking about. Sir. He's a sitting U.S. hack. <laughs> <laughs> the farm laborers in Minnesota are not going to be happy about you saying that. I don't think I'm going to find myself to the land of a thousand lakes anytime <laughs> soon. So fuck Al Franken. <laughs> wow, <laughs> Al Franken, if you're listening out there. We you're want you to come notice. on the show. You're, yeah, you're on no, notice. No, I'm not putting him on notice. <laughs> <laughs> but please come on the show and and, and tell a, tell Dan why you are not a hack. I'll be perfect. I'll be perfectly honest. Possibly. If that would happen, I think that'd be the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course, that'd be awesome. Yeah, you'd still um, like you'd have a Jesse Jackson moment of just yes, <laughs> yes. Previous listeners of this podcast will remember our style of kind of going through the plot of things. It won't be like that so much on this episode. I think we'll just kind of discuss... There's no plot... Well, there's plot. You know what I mean. Like, we're, we're kind of just going to discuss what happens here and go one by one. Talk about how we feel about it and also, you know, how it relates to the kind of political landscape today. And, of course, how Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, is involved in all this. Yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty interesting that... I mean, I don't know. I, I I didn't learn how he knew the two directors, but I mean, he the big thing that um, I watched like a little interview with him about it, and then he says it in the beginning of the documentary, like they use in the trailer, and it says like he was hosting the doc because he felt ill-informed yeah exactly. He says I decided to host the documentary because I felt ill-informed. It might even be like yeah. the first line we hear from him. 
Yeah, and actually, it's pretty interesting that they start the documentary off with. I mean, I don't know what you guys if they were just trying to what 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 their goal was with this, but they start off by just giving the noun definition of democracy, the principle of equality, rights, opportunity, and treatment. We would by call, the way, we would call that virtue signaling in today's parlance. By the way, uh, what a font they used. Like, just to get more in, like, the film aspect of it. I don't know if you guys remember the font. It was so, like, not not Comic Sans level, but it was pretty, like, not <laughs> professional. Well, I, I think I think that kind of goes with the whole aesthetic of the thing. Like, I mean, I think Kyle can attest to this because we both kind of, we both kind of came into, like, film school based on, like, the tail end of that kind of look. You know, like, Kyle more so than me, but, that, like, mini-DV tape, Canon XL2, kind of, like, we're edgy, and we're going to do a lot of montages <laughs> and some punk rock, and we, our, our, our protagonist wears a hat, and he doesn't, you know, comb his hair, you know, it's like, it was very, <laughs> it was very, like, it was a very, like, it was a very 90s, like, we're just a bunch of kids making a movie man kind of aesthetic, you know? Yeah, I saw a lot of Canon XL1 cameras in the shots of, like, other cameras, and that's, to put it into perspective i had a canon xl2 which they were you know they were decent those are like movies that like i mean cameras that uh danny boyle shot you know with de- really really nice lenses but shot like 28 weeks later on but this was just like a prime time for like you know that earlier di- digital like video it was like it was like the beginning of the democratization of of making videos and like actually i don't know if you noticed this cal um those those cameras those cheap cameras um, when you put them in the hands of someone who just wanted to get the shot, had a tendency when you shot up, if there was some <laughs> sort of like light that hit the lens, you would see all the spots and how dirty the lens was. Yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was all. And like the ex, like that grainy, grainy, grainy look that we would get yelled at in film school for having in in, in all our videos. It was just like, <laughs> the, like the, 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 just the way that this whole thing was shot was just it was such the time, you know. No, it's uh, definitely. I mean, and now cut to it was what? peak 90s yeah cut to 17 years later we've got even like better cameras in our pockets so <laughs> that's a really good point speaking of the things in our pockets i definitely do want to you know talk about that in a second because i don't know if you guys maybe you guys would disagree with me but we had well not this part we had kind of a crazy election last time no to, <laughs> to some an unexpected outcome a lot of people aren't happy. Some people are. But that happens in a lot of elections. That happened in this election. But, Kyle, to your point before, I didn't realize how, many, how much like the protest scene was uh, in 2000. Yeah. I don't feel like we got that in this past election. I don't remember tear gas being dispersed very often. Post-election, I, yes, but not like... Yeah, but not, not even to the level that we were watching in this documentary. I think people just do more of their protesting and i'm doing air quotes via like social media and and, you know things with their smartphones now that we're kind of just like we've become less of that culture like that wto shit i kind of remember it as a child but that was like really intense protesting that you don't see it in like an american level except when somebody gets shot occasionally i'm not downplaying that but you know what i'm saying like that i was like wow they've I didn't realize how intense the masses, quote unquote, were at well, the time. Well, I and, and I'll, yeah, I mean, a, a really a really cool thing to like look into this is if you look at the history of it. This is like the '90s were known for the culture war. You know what I mean? Like that was what set the 
set the 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 the, the framework for the 2000 election. You know, you had you know Newt Gingrich in the in the early 90s with the contract with America. You had Pat Buchanan, who mm-hmm. they mentioned a bit in this documentary. You know, it's like the culture war of you know like the moral silent majority right versus this kind of this new kind of edgy left that really wanted to you know do all these things and the lot yeah you saw like the 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 undercurrent of of this we're fighting the same battles but there it was like you know we just came out of the first president to ever be impeached so like you know the clintons and the republicans of that age took fighting establishment political fighting to a whole different level and a lot of these people in the 2000s a lot of people don't realize is we think that we have these like you know we're fighting for the soul of america now but everyone is was fighting i mean it was the exact same thing to, you know 17 years ago it was like you know that you had the, the the evangelical religious right which was george bush was the compassionate conservative and then you had al gore who was you know pledging for election campaign finance reform something we've never heard of, you know we, we hear about today um environmental reform um you know welfare reform it's just all all these things that we're still talking about today but it was hey, just you th- even hear the term global warming discussed in this documentary like fairly often and like i think if you asked at least i know young people they probably think that's like a new concept yeah i mean it it just it was just interesting to me in so many facets of just obviously seeing some of the i think one of the biggest problems is that like i was seeing a lot of like the same like similar faces you know, like I mean, people that are still, I, you know, I, I know, I, I know, uh, Brian and I have discussed this, but the word or the phrase "career politician" is thrown around too much. Like, is oh, that but, a but bad it, thing? But it's you know, it's, it's it's true because you know, um, all the people who are in power today were in power back then. It's the same rotating group of senators and rotating group of Congress people and rotating group of party leaders. You know, it's like whenever you want, like the one. Um, Kind of to go off on a bit of kind of a tangent, but there was a movie that came out with Kevin Spacey called Recount. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was about the, the the Florida controversy, and I just remember watching that movie and yeah, seeing and seeing like all the like they would they would like they would go through like the different like different rooms and like you know it, they would be shot. I mean, this movie was made years ago, but like there was a great scene where James Baker would ask for Roger Stone, like he's such a big name now. You know, like when they're in the when Kevin Spacey's mm-hmm. in the Democrat office, he's like this woman comes in and starts talking to him and he goes, thanks, Donna. And you look up in the credits as Donna Brazil. You know, it's like these are the like the, the, the Clintons and the Bushes um, with it, I mean, that's that's where I think a lot of people like, we, you know, Trump talked about the establishment. You know, these are the same people who've been in power for, you know, 27 years, 30 years. You know, it's like when all the rate, when all the, the Nixon people yeah. died. You know, it's like Nixon was the prototype. Nixon, Nixon and Kennedy were the prototypical administrations, right? And those people who were in power then and came up during that time ruled till the end of Reagan, and then the Bushes and the Clintons took over for the next twenty-seven, and now we're starting to see that turnover. No, no, no. To your point, Dan, that that it's absolutely true, and to your point, Kyle, as well. You see that here, and I think, and I know you. You probably don't like this guy, but I think that was what was refreshing about Obama when when he uh, and how he let's be honest upset Hillary Clinton in that primary because they was like I don't want to say rigged, but it was kind of skewed for Hillary to beat Obama there, and it was refreshing because he wasn't the career politician. He you can argue that he's one of the first celebrity presidents. He was a political celebrity more than he was like an establishment guy, and that leads us to now Donald Trump, who's 
really anti-establishment, you know? But you see Hillary Clinton in this documentary here, and you just, like, the web is even working back then for her to be president. Well, that, that, the, like, the singing in Times Square at the end. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton. I'm just like, oh, my God, it was... <laughs> The complex has started in 2001. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and it started in 2000, but it did, did it really? No, this started during Bill's reign, if, if you want to call it that, you know? Yeah. And, and it, it goes, and that's the thing that's like, it goes on both sides here. Because, you know, we see Jeb Bush. We see, obviously, George W. Bush. But we, we, we see these people who we are, we're still talking about today. There are new faces today, but... I think the strings, not many, if you will, are still being pulled in the same gang. And also, and also, let's be honest: a lot of the new faces kind of kowtow to that line. Like Obama, for all his hope and change rhetoric during the campaign, he quickly switched back to become an establishment establishment Democrat. You know, when he started filling up his cabinet with all these former Clinton aides, you know, you can tell. Well, why do you think? I mean, tr- I mean, there's a lot of reasons why why Trump has struggled in certain departments. But one of the things is that, like, you know, he's pretty much gotten rid of all his Republican establishment guys. No, no, well, and- no. If you look, look, do yourself a favor and look yes. look at his appointments. They're all, you know, ra- they're all establishment Republicans. You know, he wanted to jam- he wanted to drain the swamp. He drained the swamp, but he drained it and refilled it with old, dirty swamp water. You know. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Like, the, the surface guys, he's kind of replaced. But the, the establishment is so thick, and you see that in this documentary. And just so, there's just so much of that infrastructure there that it's impossible almost to take over and fill all these positions you have to fill with people who haven't been there. And would you really want to do that anyway? I mean, it would be difficult. Yeah, well, I, I think I think the you know there's this there's this one podcaster I listen to. His name is Dan Carlin. He does like a political podcast like once every two months, and his his working theory is is once you get elected president, right? You know, you have all this hope and change. We need to do something different, kind of de- rhetoric that gets you to that spot. And then when when you go into the White House and they sit you down, and it's the CIA, and uh, they sit you down, and they go, yeah, they go, yeah, it's they a go, reality check. Well, they, no, they go, Mr. President, we just want to show you something. And we want you to take this into consideration when uh, when you're making your decisions going forward. And then they just turn on a TV and it's the Zapruder film. You know, it's like, you better get in line, pal. I mean, I, that's probably, that's probably, <laughs> oh, okay. that, that's like super Alex Jones conspiracy theory. But it's like, I was going to say, <laughs> it's the way the system is set up. And I think that's a lot of the things that this documentary does right in calling out is that there is an, there's a political class in this country. And you, you, the two-party system has made it so that the game is rigged. Um, when you look at the two parties today, and when you look at the two parties back then, it's the same talking points with just a little bit of difference. Yeah, oh, I, I hear you there. I mean, I'm definitely on on board with that. And that's that's yeah. why that's why Trump was such a like a, I mean, to a lot of people, depending on who you ask, a breath of fresh air or a, or a, a breath of fresh sickness, but. Um, he he's took a lot of conventions that the two parties stood for and really turned them upside down and was when you know like you know what foreign policy was the the biggest difference you know democrats and republicans have had the it was the they called it the bipartisan consensus on foreign policy right so 
you know, the foreign policy was similar whether it was a Democrat or a Republican sitting in that chair. But Trump was like, we're getting out of NATO. We're going to make NATO pay their, th- their, their dues. We're not going to be the world policeman anymore. You know, I mean, he hasn't acted on it yet, but that rhetoric is so that he sounded like a third party candidate during that election, which was strange and weird, but also very interesting. Yeah, I mean, Trump is just a, a creature of his own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, I, I mean, he's a New York socialite that used to, I mean, you know, help campaign for the Clintons in the early days of Bill and stuff like that. So, well, what, one of my one of my favorite moments in the whole campaign was uh, during the Republican candidates debate, right? And they're all standing up there, and he's calling them mm-hmm. out for taking all the dirty money and being pawns of special interests. Um, and, and then everyone's like, no, no, we're not. And he's like, I've given money to everyone up here. I've bought you all. And they were all joking around, but, <laughs> but they were all joking around like, oh, you haven't given me money. You haven't given me money. But like, that's the point that he was trying to make. It's just like, we've gotten the political class and the political establishment in this country. And I think in this documentary, they really kind of hit the nail on the head is that it's a choice between you know, like this last election was like you have to choose between dying of cancer or dying of AIDS. You know, like which which one do you kind of want? To a lot of people, that's what 2000 was. Um, George Bush was was so repugnant to a lot of people, and Al Gore was so repugnant to a lot of people. It was a it was a it was a very different time, but it was a very similar time, which I thought was really cool watching this. Yeah, I I feel like people would be like, well, I'd rather have that election than this one. But it's definitely at the time, totally like the, you could tell that they talk to the people, especially the young people, and nobody wants these guys up there. Yeah, again, like I mean, it, it's just, and it's not because I agree with one side more than the other, but I just found it interesting. I don't know. It's just always like in my head, like of course there's going to be people protesting Republicans. That's just something that's been i feel like ingrained into us or just at least from me watching you know uh presidential election coverage is like that's just like a given but it was just really weird to see again that you know uh rage against the machine outside or just even plenty of people bringing up that gore was involved with oil as well and they're just you know like they're saying they're both like from bill maher to your average average uh you know like citizen that they're interviewing they're like they're both oil guys like they're not they're not different and it was just kind of kind of refreshing i mean it's an old documentary now but just for having seen it for the first time i mean we usually say that for films everyone this wasn't this wasn't the, like a repeat viewing, right? This was the first time we all watched it. No, first it. time. I think, Dan, you made it clear the first time you'd seen it. First time I'd seen it, and Kyle, obviously, the first time you'd seen it. Yeah. So. Um, I, I want to get into just certain stuff in this documentary. Um, Kyle, especially us, um, I know we cited this Ralph Reed thing, and you only see it slightly, but I just want to mention it again, how, how Philip Seymour Hoffman was so excited to meet Ralph Reed, and Ralph, who is, I think he's ahead of a the conservative, some conservative coalition. I forgot which one. He, he went to he went to, he went to he went to jail shortly after this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but um, yeah, Dan, ha- Dan, have you seen Happiness? Uh, no, I've not seen Happiness. Well, you need to watch that movie. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays like a really pervy guy, and he's not a politician or anything, but he plays like a really pervy guy. And he made this mo- that movie maybe like what two years before this one. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, that's, yeah. And he decided to base like his character's personality, if you will, off Ralph Reed. And you don't see this in the documentary, but I believe he mentions it in the um, what is it? The com- there's a commentary on the DVD, and and he said this in interviews in the past that Ralph Reed stopped him and they spoke, and you see it briefly here. But Ralph Reed told him that Happiness was his favorite film. <laughs> With- well, well, without knowing that, like you know, he based that character off of him, and and like you said, he got arrested shortly after well, that. Well, Ra- Ra- Ralph Reed was a bit of a scumbag. I mean, and he's kind of like, I mean, and and that's like really the cool thing is like, like you, you got seeing all these people before all this happened. Like he was wrapped up in the Jack Abramoff, Tom Delay kind of kind of web. You know, that was like a huge thing. Casito Jack buying off his influence with the Bush administration. You know, it was. Uh, they, have, they made a Kevin Spacey movie about it. Very highly recommend it. They made a documentary about it too, which was also really, really good. But it was uh, no, that's really that's really that's really awesome. <laughs> Ralph Reed wasn't like a he was he was what you would he was like a, um, an evangelist who found God when he realized how much money he could make. They cause they sh- they show him, and then they also show what's that one. Um... Uh, Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson. Robertson. I remember. I remember. Uh, what was it? Uh, it was ABC Family when I was younger. And if you woke up really early and you turned on ABC Family, and it was Pat Robinson and the Seven Hundred Club. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Pat Robertson is like. I mean, the guy would sell out stadiums. But you know, but that that was that was the culture war. You know, that was like that was the the culture of the time. Is you had this. You know, you had the. I mean, I, I don't necessarily know as much on, on on the Democrat side where they were just trying to like, you know, we need to take care of all these people. But there was like a group, a very strong movement in in this country where there was just, you know, the president's getting blowjobs in the Oval Office. You know, what are we becoming? And it's you know, abortion yeah. became abortion became a hot button issue in this time. It was like there was a big. I mean, George W. Bush was the Republican nominee because of the evangelicals. You know that, but that's the first election where they became a huge voting block. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, de- he definitely used that to his favor as well. Well, it was it um, was it was the he was the compassionate conservative. I always, I you know, it's like it that that was such a message for that time. You know what it means is like I'm a conservative, but I'm also compassionate. You know what I mean? Like I have my religious principles, but you know I can see I want to help the poor. You know, it's just like. I want smaller government, but I want to help. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the, so the guy really, um, I don't know, I really liked what he said in this documentary was uh, Representative Barney Frank of Massachusetts, where he's, he's like, the right wing is better at mobilizing than the left wing. That, like, the left wing protests and they say all these things. The right wing just kind of sits quietly and then they vote people out. I think that's. A, I mean, that's definitely a valid point. I think it's. Do you guys think it's that's changed over the years? I think so. I mean, especially, or at least in the case of Obama's election. Oh, I think. I think the Democrats have have learned how to organize very, very, very effectively. Um, I think you know. You know what it is? It's just like um, mobilize. Like in my in my past life, mobilizing voters is one of the hardest things to do. You know, everybody has something to say. Everybody has an excuse not to vote, you know. Yeah. No, no, for sure. I don't know. I don't know if that's changed as much as you guys think. No, I don't think it's. I, still... I, I mean, I don't think it's changed at all. Oh, okay. I think there are so many more people who will love to pontificate on Facebook and pontificate on on Twitter. But 
when it comes to the real day that counts, November, whatever it is, you know, they'll stay home because they're just like, well, my vote doesn't count. I mean, you're right. No, statistics have showed this. That that's like in the statistics, there are more Democrats than Republicans, and we can get into like gerrymandering and all that kind of stuff. But there are more Democrats than Republicans. There's more. And de- there's more. Well, there's more independents. It's usually than a fair else. fight. I mean, I think I I I, I disagree okay. with you there because I think by and large this country is a center right nation, not a hard you know. But there may be more registered Democrats. Because there's a lot more of a mobile, like Democrats are more mobile of getting people in their club. Republicans are more mobile of getting people to the like, getting people to the polls and figuring out. But I don't want to go off on a tangent here. I don't disagree that this is a center right nation, but I think that sometimes when the Republican Party tacks too right, those center right writers on moral values lean not left, but two Democrats because they just feel like they can't vote for the guy who wants to burn the babies. Well, see, like, and that, and that, that, that whole, that whole dynamic, it's like, and I think, I think another thing they really touch on this documentary is how important the media is, you know, and framing oh, yeah. the conversation and telling you what to think. And to me, as, 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 a, as, as, as a right winger, right? Like, what do you see in the media today about the right wingers? You know, like we don't care about anybody. We're incapacitate. We want to see everyone die and just hoard the money for ourselves. You know, like that sort of image has been crafted over numerous years of this media to just kind of drill into your heads that Republicans don't care. They're all about greed. And Democrats are the party of compassion. It goes to like when Michael Moore in the documentary, you know, it's like um, when, when he, he's talking, it's like we're on a life bath and it's sinking. And you have a Dixie cup, and the Dixie cup is the Democrat Party. You know, it's it's not going to help. Yeah, that, it's yeah, not going to yeah. help that much, but you know, we got to do it. And you know, it's 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 all bullshit, is what it is. You know. By the way, I, I do like Philip Seymour Hoffman in that scene. And I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love his response. What does he say? He's just like, I probably would just let it sink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, to to your point, a little Dan, in terms of like the portrayal of the media, it's important to note with this documentary that this is an indie documentary you know this isn't like something like an hbo produced documentary or like it doesn't have i don't did it get a wide release kyle no it didn't yeah and and you know this is just an indie documentary so which is nice you know this is not look there's always a shadowy figure behind everything maybe but it's not like your classic shadowy figure guys promoting this it's just a bunch of dudes who made a documentary and again not like Guys like us, obviously, these people have clout enough to get this close in conventions, but it's it's not again a Fox News or a MSNBC produced documentary. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the people that made this definitely like their heart is in the right place, you know, as far as whether you like agree with you know whatever side, you know. Again, the director is probably much more to the left. Philip Seymour Hoffman, the middle, like I'd say, center yeah, left, and, but. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, exactly. You're saying center-right for most people in the country. He's, yeah, center-left. I think that's a fair say. But, you know, there's just this one quote of his in it that he says, it's uh, easy not to care if you don't know what's going on. So I think that's, like, the general mission statement of this documentary. Because, I mean, it's not like, I mean, in the end, there's, like, this big conclusion. and then I mean, mean, how, how many documentaries, like, obviously have like an ending to them this is you know there's this is one of those documentaries that they're just trying to bring something to 
awareness. And again, they interview, you know, towards the end, they had a bunch of senior citizens on talking about social security. And I mean, in the beginning, they just had a lot of like people in the street reactions. And I love, uh, how you said, as far as them being like independent and, you know, uh, making this and we don't have like the clout that they have but i love that they weren't getting into the republican convention but then they did as to quote phillips and Rahoff, in like a back door deal because the republican convention was looking for a rock band to play so they got um i don't know what the name of that band was oh the interpreters yeah i mean i, I thought that was pretty cool but me and you kyle wouldn't even get to that point you know <laughs> no of course not yeah yeah, yeah. But it's just, I mean, it's just funny to see, it's not like an unknown thing, but like how big and an important thing, like again, like I mean, this happened, I think, who wanted to use Bruce Spring, was it Reagan that wanted to use Born in the USA and Bruce Springsteen said no? I mean, I feel um, like that happens every election. Yeah. yeah, exactly, but it's just, it is just silly that like that, like, you know, they mention, um, you know, as far as like, uh, like campaign like financing and the money that they're allowed to spend and like the donations and all that stuff they like they they touch upon that stuff but that combined with like why does it have to become this whole like why are bands playing at these things well exactly right i mean and that like and they talk about the shadow conventions and stuff and and these conventions they're just big performances they're just big commercials for the party um but to touch on your point a little bit kyle too or Dan, one of you mentioned the celebrities. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman here, I think it, we need to be clear, he's not Philip Seymour Hoffman yet. You know, he's, yes. he's a relatively unknown celebrity. This, this isn't like, I don't know, pick a celebrity now. This isn't like Brad Pitt doing a documentary. You know? Well, this isn't like how they showed Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon talking in it. Like yeah, but if like Sarandon hosts this documentary, well, wait, one, it's way different. But two, it's like, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> it's like, like a bigger deal. And I did like, I think it was a little self-aware because I did like how they have like the shots of just like Cher walking in the Democrat uh, convention and like these celebrities. And it, it's kind of, it just, just goes to the fact that like both these conventions are just like shows. Yeah, they're just like well, uh, like uh, it's almost like a status thing. Like I was at the DNC, were you? Like, oh, you don't care enough. Like in the whole world of you know entertainment. Well, and also, I mean, I I think two two things. One, people don't realize that the parties are private entities. You know, there's nothing in the Constitution that says there has to be a party. You know, these are private groups. Like back when, yeah. like, you know, they're in the whole Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders things. Like, how could they do this? Like, well, they're a private organization. They, they can. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think celebrity is so, so, so important in this country. And I think the Republicans finally started to waking up to that this, this season. Um, back then, it was just, you know, Hollywood movie stars only all cared all were Democrats. They were all were Democrats. And then we finally found our celebrity. Unfortunately, that celebrity was Donald Trump, but we found our celebrity. I was going to say. We had a non-American in uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as the governor of California. <laughs> as far as celebrities were Oh, celeb- I mean, there's been plenty of celebrities. Sonny Bono, stuff like that. Yeah, but clearly Ronald Reagan. In, in, in terms of, like, president, yeah, but Reagan had, like, put his time in, like, you know, Trump just kind of jumped from. He was governor of California for but, twenty years. Yeah, no, I mean he 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 had long since been an actor, you know. 
Yeah. Just to your point, Kyle, this is why, like, when Kanye West says he wants to run for president or people want to nominate The Rock, it's yeah. not that crazy. Like, that should be crazy. But Kanye West, if he runs for president, I'm not saying he's going to win, but he's going to get votes. And that's, that's kind of scary. Look at Kid Rock. Kid Rock is. Yeah, the, Kid Rock. He's the leader of the Republican primary in Michigan right now. All right? That's yes, just, there's a very, very, very good chance that Kid Rock will be a member of Congress. A senator. Oh, my God. Uh, yes, a senator, mind you. <laughs> what a world we live in. Well, and, 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 and don't blame it, because it's just like celebrity is so important to our society. It's, we put these people up on a pedestal. And, you know, like these, these are our, these are, these are our gods. You know, we, we, we follow their every move. We, we pay attention to them. We, we want to know who they're dating. We want to know what crazy name, you know, it's like, it's, it's all, that's why reality TV is so successful because it plays to something that's just innately in us. Uh, that, that is the sad and unfortunate truth. Uh, there's just so many things that need to be changed as far as, who can run and I think like experience that you should have. But, but to, but to Dan's point though, it's hard to legislate that because these parties are not the government. The Democrats and the Republicans are in government, but the parties themselves are not the government. They could decide that a crayon, I mean, the crayon's not qualified, but they could decide that pretty much anybody could be, you know, qualified person can be their nominee. And there's so many like party shills out there. Sorry. There's no, there are, are, but there are no qualifications, Brian. Continue. Donald Trump is the president. There are no qualifications. No, no, no. no. I I meant the baseline qualifications. Like an infant couldn't run for president. I mean, Hey, if you're 35 and a natural born, no, if you're 35 and a natural born citizen, you can run for president. And if the Democrats or the Republicans, and that's what I mean, as long as, as long as you fit that, they can nominate anyone they want. And you know what? A lot of people, a good amount of people, will vote for whoever that uh, person has that letter next to their name. No, I, I, I hundred. No matter who it is, it's always going to be freaking rich people, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's very rich true. people are people supported by rich people. Oh well, look at the look at Chicago. There was the uh, the alderman in Chicago who was uh, resoundingly reelected while he was sitting in a. Michigan jail cell for drug and uh, murder charges. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, look that up. That's. I just want to throw in some factoids there. Um, sure. The five richest presidents ever. Number one, and, and in today's money, and this does not count Donald Trump because we don't know his worth, but Donald Trump will probably be number one here because according to this, George Washington was the richest president ever, $525 million in today's money. Thomas Jefferson, the second richest, two hundred. Twelve million today's money. The uh, Mr. Yeoman Farmer, there, hypocrite. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt came from a long line of. I mean, he he did go close to bankruptcy many times in his life, but at the time he was president, it was one hundred twenty-five million. Andrew Jackson, one hundred nineteen million net worth. James Madison, one hundred and one uh, net worth. And these are all, you know, old-time presidents, poorest presidents. All are estimated of less than one million worth. Harry Truman, who was like a regular guy, salary dude. The, habi- the Wasn't habida- he a haberdasher. The haberdasher yeah. from uh, Independence, Missouri. <laughs> the first man to drop the atomic bomb. Yeah, he was, was just a, a hat salesman. Was a haberdasher from Independence, Missouri. <laughs> that that is like see that's 
that's the America I want. You know? <laughs> um, well, quick, quick, McKinley- quick, quick sidebar. It's a funny story. Yes, please. Allegedly, uh, when FDR died, and they went to Harry Truman to tell him that he's now the president and has to fight World War II till its end. Um, he remarkably cried and uh, allegedly cried and said, "I am not ready for this." <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow, that's intense, you know. I mean, <laughs> I I don't know if I would be either, but then again, I'm not one of these seasoned politicians, and frankly, neither was he too much. But so you have McKinley, U- U.S. Grant, and Abe Lincoln, all the poorest presidents. Oh, okay. Nice little group there too. You have some bad presidents, some good presidents in there, but so I don't necessarily know if a rich man will always be elected president or woman. But there's always somebody with the money behind them. Yeah, I mean, that's just always going to be... And that's where there needs to be just like, I don't know, just the... Just more maybe debates or maybe just more like, you know, like so money as more, far as... More, you know, more, uh, more debates, well, Kyle, that no one will watch? I mean, that's fair. I do want to end this, and not right now, but... We'll touch on like how we would, our ideas are kind of changing things towards the end, but I definitely want to get back into this doc. So I have to say, the one part that really took me out of this documentary, and not necessarily what they were saying, but was this whole like death penalty segue, because it wasn't addressed at all by like Philip Seymour Hoffman or really much of what was going on on, on screen. They just do you know what part I'm talking about, guys? They just oh my god, that was faces. so so bad. The, the 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 Texas uh, death death uh, death penalty victims were like two minutes. Yeah, it was like look yeah at, okay look at all these and poor look, souls who died. I'm just like oh my god that that was yeah, a that little was cheap really to me. Weird. I'm actually really weird. look I I'm a, I don't support the death penalty, but that was like too much for me. Like I was like all right we get it because it did it, it felt like so disjointed from the documentary. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's plenty of points in the documentary mm-hmm. that whether you're on one side, I mean, this is I, mean, I'm, I don't want to digress or whatever, but this is also the problem with I mean, there's so many problems. I'm not gonna <laughs> solve <laughs> the world of American politics right now, but just the fact that you're saying yeah, it's not like being a Demo- Republican and Democrat party are not even part of the government. They're like you know separate entities, but you know it's just number one funny that you've got a two-party system, but then like the party that then obviously is like empowered at the time of a presidency or whatever is like, we have to be united. It's like, well, isn't that's the general problem like right there that you have a two-party system, but whether or not you agree with, uh, you know, one side or the other, like for instance, the uh, million mom March, uh, you know, like versus the NRA. But to your point that like we had Philip Seymour Hoffman at the gun show and then they showed the, you know, famous clip of Charlton Heston from my cold dead hands, Mr. Gore. And, uh, you know, great clip, by the way, great, great, great clip. Oh yeah. It's, 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 it's it's fantastic. As far as it's like cinematic value is fantastic. But, um, whatever your opinion is on like that, you showed one side or the other, and yes. Philip Hoffman was yeah. talking to people, and we're talking this... the documentary. Yeah, he he yeah, was at exactly. the he was at the Million Mom March against guns. He was at the an NRA event, and they they highlighted that pro guns, and he asked them both people their opinions on that. You know, yeah. And where Cut you fall to... might be like where you 
who who you agree with there, you know? Can I, yeah, can, but then can, can, I, can I say something about ridiculous... the about the about the NRA uh, segment? Sure. I I have that was my favorite part in the whole movie because there was that guy there who like went on a little tangent, but it was just and and everything he said, I was just like, yep, yep, a hundred percent, totally agree with you. There was the guys like, see, uh, first they the... want to take our guns, and then they want to. And then and then they want to take all our rights and turn us all into slaves. And I just was like, "Yo, dude, keep on keep on praising, dude. Keep on doing, <laughs> doing what you do best. Keep on preaching, but that's exa- man." That's exactly Kyle's point. Like the the you know you agree with that. Somebody else is going to agree with what those moms are saying. Yeah. You know. Yep. You don't have a choice in that death penalty segment, and that I did not like about this documentary. And that's not really only the one segment like that. It, it just it just felt very out of place. And again, like you said, it's not like they had Philip Zimmer Hoffman address it. And as the narrator, not even just narrator, as the host, as like being on camera, which we should just talk about that in its own right. It's just really interesting. Like they're getting all these like low shots of him, like while walking in the street. Like it was shot very gorilla when i felt like it didn't need to be <laughs> but i think that's to, i think that's the dance point in terms of like the that 90s edgy. Sure, sure, like sure. hey look yeah, at us we're, we're super edgy you know <laughs> yeah exactly like we're the, the most flattering we're the cool we're, we're the cool people we don't we don't we don't we don't want to conform to the republican democrat conventions man <laughs> I, I kind of loved uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's reaction. So the Republican convention was in Philadelphia, correct? And then yeah. the Democratic was in L.A. By the way, and these are like common places to host conventions. It's not like the conventions really rotate too much. Yeah, but that's yeah, where I mean, they were. You're for not going to put one in Alaska. But. <laughs> yeah, but I I just thought I I thought it was funny. I mean, it's like I guess scary in a little way too. But I just like the way Philip Seymour Hoffman was like, "It's like much more dangerous here," and like talking about L.A. <laughs> and again, they were showing that footage that uh, we were just surprised to see as far as the protests going on. I think of that L.A. thing DNC, though has a lot to do about with, like Democrats, just not like wanting like a Rodney King just, you know, style riot them. to occur there, and that like those riot police like learn from that and they're like we're not letting anyone fuck around like you know L- yeah continue well yeah they just they just in that time they just came out of a large long period of riots you know it's like we're just not going to have this well while, while all the well and it's a democrat city you know it's like we're not going to we're not going and that that kind of goes to the whole party thing it's just like you know, it was a majority Democrat city, and we can't have, we can't be, we can't be embarrassed by our own people while we have all our buddies here. You know? Yeah, because those those L.A. riot police were like intense. They're ready. That was, I mean, that wasn't too. When were the L.A. riots in ninety? Ninety two, ninety three. Two, three. Yeah. So we're talking eight years at the most. Like after those took place, these are seasoned riot vets. <laughs> <laughs> um, was there any other uh, parts of the documentary you wanted to touch on specifically? I kind of thought it was interesting that again. So you mentioned earlier, like that you heard people talking about uh, global warming, which again maybe some younger people, not that they were the you know oldest people, but still just like that might people think that that's like a newer concept or something, or just a newer thing being spoken about. But to that 
to say that there was something else that I was surprised to hear back then was they had this one part about Farm Aid and they had Bare Naked Ladies and Will, Willie Nelson uh, talking about, you know, organic food and stuff like that. I just thought that was pretty... I'm not going to get into it as far as, you know, what, you know, side I'm on, but... <laughs> the, of the organic food debate. Yeah, but... I mean, it's a really heated debate, so I... <laughs> I mean, it is in some circles. I just... I'm in. I'm in. I'm all for. I'm all for it. It's just unfortunately expensive or whatever. But uh, you know, I don't know enough about like the farm stuff to. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. That's what I was more saying that like. But no, but that's definitely interesting too. But it was just yeah, exactly that. It was just interesting that like back then. So again, you know, we're 17 years ago. uh, That you know, every everyone now it's trendy. Then it was being spoken about. Now it's. You know, and there's much more farmers markets yeah. probably. I'm sure. Well, I, I think I, I think if you look at today, I think back then, I don't know. From I guess maybe I I can't I wasn't there, so I can't really like say anything about it. But I feel like now it's trendy to protest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe if maybe I just like I feel like it's like oh we're gonna go protest Trump on this weekend. You know, we're gonna go to the we're gonna go to Trump Tower and and. And 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 uh, burn Trump in effigy on on the front lawn. You know, it's like, oh, really? Well, then we go to this bar, really nice bar on Fifth that I know. You know, it's like that kind of. I feel like it's it's become a very trendy thing to go protest now, and it's like, well, and it's not as violent. Or I'll I'll agree. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not as violent. I think today, and un- unfortunately, you might disagree with my thing of unfortunately with this because maybe I don't like the system that much, but. Unfortunately, now it's like those mass-produced signs. You saw a little of them here. But now everyone has the same fucking sign, you know? And it's like, we're an Etsy generation. Be crafty. Like, come up with your own <laughs> come up with your own phrases. But no, it's like some, you know, some printer shop says, oh, hand this out. Okay. Yeah, like, and then they make money from something, and then they, uh, it's just all... Hey, listen, no, listen, I, these, these, kind these, of miss. these closet socialists, they're all about, they're, they're all benefiting from the free market, man. <laughs> Um, speaking of socialists, I found myself at times agreeing with Chomsky in this, and I was kind of like, whoa, what? Yeah, Noam Chomsky is a professor from MIT, right? I don't know anything about him. All I know is, like, I've recognized his name, and I don't think I've ever seen him speak before. I, I, you know, I liked the points about the system that he was saying. I, I don't know if I agree with his, what he thinks should replace it you whatever. like you like you like his diagnosis you don't like his prescription yeah that that's a good way to put it that, that is a good way to put it and i i, I mean i i i really really don't like noam chomsky um i figured yeah it's just <laughs> it's like it's it's like all these this is like this is like core of like these intellectual socialists that are you know like that a lot of people point to when they like you know when you want to have an argument about the free market it's like i'll bring out milton friedman and and and, and uh Friedrich Hayek, and they'll they'll come back with like Noam Chomsky, and I'm just like, buddy, come on, pal, what is this? <laughs> Fair. I don't know enough uh, on it to to have that debate. Well, if, but... if if you want to have if you want to have this debate, we'll p- pick out seven hours and we'll talk about it, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure at the end of it, we'll come to a conclusion, and everyone will be happy. Or you'll just call me a Nazi and hang up. Uh, so uh dan was there anything else in this that you were like really like oh that's interesting or or just something you wanted to talk about um 
I mean, we talked about my, my boy Gary Johnson coming in with the with the straight truth coming out there. I mean, there was a whole segment on drug policy, which I thought was really cool. Um, I personally, that's kind of something that, that's an issue that I think we, a lot of people agree on today that the major parties don't, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, they definitely did touch on that a lot in this documentary. They're still just talking about... It's just sad to see that nothing's like really been solved. I don't know, in my opinion. Or that like we're still talking about it. I guess it's good we're still talking about it. I mean, well, I mean, this. I guess maybe this is my bias coming out, you know, my, my, my libertarian sensibilities. There's a lot of, I feel like a lot of people today and even back then, and I think a lot of point is like, like, and even Philip Seymour Hoffman says is like, we need to do something, you know, it's like, it's the government responsibility to fix all these problems. And of course, you know, from, from my position, I don't think that the, the federal government is going to be able to solve, you know, poverty. You know, despite how many chants you can make, it's just like it's not going to happen. You know, unless you mm-hmm. radically change the society. I mean, they tried that. They tried to solve, you know, solve poverty. It was called, you know, it was called called Marxism. And you know, you can ask the twelve million people who are dead how well that worked. Um, I think that's just <laughs> Jesus. I mean, it's just like you know, I, I I feel like that, and that, that's the part that just like always gets to me. And watching this is just like they're still talking about the same things. It's like. Everyone's looking to this almighty God of government to, to solve all their problems. And if you somehow go against that and say against that, like when um, I forgot who we was talking to. Um, oh, I know what you're going to say it was just, it, it, it was it was it was he was talking to somebody and he was just like, you know, like, don't you know, like, you know, we, we got to help these people. We got to help these people. I was like, yes, you know, we're America. We're the most we, we give the most char- charitably of any other people on the face of the planet. You know, we want to help these people, but it feels like a like they have, there was a very heavy implication that if you don't want government to solve all these problems, you are somehow a lesser person and have lesser morals than the people who want to use government as a tool, as an instrument. I'm that. actually glad you brought that up because I totally forgot about that angle where they interviewed like the church based guy and he's like a granted granted that guy was a was a was a wackadoo, a hundred percent, and I'm. <laughs> And I don't, I don't use that, I don't use that term lightly. All right, I don't use wackadoo very lightly. But the point that Phil Seymour Hoffman made in that interview, where he was just like, like, well, we got to help all these people. I'm just like, yes, we do. But maybe some people, just like, there's a lot of arguments. You know, like I think, I think like an overarching. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I still I'm, don't want to support that guy. Well, yeah, see, and that's my problem. It's just like I'm trying to make. It's like. <laughs> It's like I'm. It's like, dude, this guy is a nutcase. All right, he's 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 just like, he's so far off. But so, so yes, continue. Yeah, but it's just like you know, like the Republicans back then really really harped on the faith based charity thing, and I feel like nowadays if you try to make that argument that like, well, maybe the government can't solve all these problems because the government sucks at solving everything. Um, but it's like they revert to that, like, oh, what do you want everyone to just go to church? Like, I think that's like the common retort. And it's just like, no, you know, it's, it's, I, I hate the fact that I'm on the side of that crazy, you know, dipshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just for those of you who haven't seen the documentary, they interview this guy. It's, it's supposed to be an alternative to government helping, which is faith based helping, which honestly, is effective in certain uh, situations, but this guy is what is he like a converted 
gay guy? Like, isn't that what... He's he's just (laughs) trying to say that anything good that people do comes from Christian belief. Yeah, but but, but he... Am I right about that, or did I miss that? Like, he... No, no, no. He's someone that, like... He he said he had gay urges. Evil temptations and feelings and stuff. I started looking at too much pornography in college. (laughs) Yeah, I started looking at... uh, I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh, because this is, like, a really bad thing. At least I feel like that, like, gay conversion shit is really bad. that, That guy can fuck off uh, like I'm, i've been trying to keep it like i just i freaking hate people like him he's just he's just zero like bend to him uh i just people like that those are the people that make the world a horrible place to live well and, and also i i, I do kind of like when he was arguing with philip seymour hoffman about like well why do you want to help these people you know it's it's like I get yeah, what he was trying to like, say. I like if he came out and said, "Well, you know, our Judeo-Christian, you know, uh, foundation of most of our laws and our society is is where we get these feelings from," you know, and like like yeah, that would be an intelligent way to say it instead of yeah, yeah. going on about your pornography addiction. Sure, an intelligent way, but still before the, yeah, no, exactly, yeah, exactly. Again, the guy didn't laugh, didn't laugh, but like no, but it's just ridiculous. You should, like, you yeah, should that laugh because that, that guy, be that guy makes 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 people who want to make rational arguments look bad and he you should laugh at him yeah. and he should uh, feel just, terrible well well is it, it him yes but i mean I, I think dan i think you could say that this documentary should have picked somebody better oh god yes god yes like go go to an inner city where there's like a pastor who's trying to like help out you know it's it's like it's like for for for, for like the charities it's like they pose they and, and and also it's like these subtle things about the documentary they try to like like make a point like 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 they they show that weird nutcase and then immediately they juxtapose it with with you know like the the woman who's helping the homeless people on the streets in the city you know <laughs> it's like it's like this guy is obviously wrong government needs to do this you know yeah <laughs> no, no no again and this is why this is not a hundred percent of a down the line down the middle documentary i think it does do a good job but everyone's gonna have their biases you know clearly it has their biases and the bias isn't so much like we're not showing both sides it's like kind of who they pick here i mean no one's gonna be like oh this woman who's helping people out in the inner city she just sucks and this like this country bumpkin guy is the one like that's the guy i want to side with i want to side with the guy who 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 found god because he saw he what he you know Watch too much porn in college. <laughs> um, I think they did a much better job with the NRA stuff. Like, yeah, no, NRA. that was that was good. it was it was a very steep decline from down there. Ver- versus Million Mom March, though, in terms of just like, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that that back to back was much better than towards the end. And 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 I I think when you say steep decline, I agree with you. I think the beginning of this documentary is way better than the ending of this documentary. Oh, well, by yeah. by by the end they stronger. were stronger. By the end they were just so, you know, like oh, like you could tell that as they progressed through it, they were just like Phil Seymour-Hoffman was like, "I want to get more involved. I want to find out more. I want to listen to all the sides." And then by the end of it it's like, "Yeah, fucking Bush stole the election," you know. Yeah, at the end he's a nihilist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, one can have that opinion, one cannot, whatever. I think, like, I think just a school of documentary filmmaking, you guys are no more than me, is that, like, you have to come to, while there's no ending, there has to be some kind of conflu- conclusion that we come to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and that's it. 
Um, just a couple other points I want to touch on, and that's really just... Um, As we're trying to find our conclusion. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I have a clear conclusion here. Oh, wonderful. So this documentary, it's not a famous documentary. I had, I had heard of it because I had you know, done my Philip Seymour Hoffman research, but that's basically it. And I'd watched a lot of clips online because I was just curious also what it was. Why do you think that this documentary didn't get more play than it did? Because it doesn't pander to one side or the other, maybe? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That could be it, but there's... Well, well, Dan, I guess I'll, I'll segue to you, because I, I, you're a politics man here. What are some of your favorite political documentaries, and, and why do they work? And try not to be all, like, right-wing documentaries. Uh, well, um, well, let's... Let's uh, let me think about that for a second. Um, I don't really watch a lot of political documentaries. I like to, to read a lot, right. but like my favorite ones are like um, Street Fight about Cory Booker. Yeah, Street Fight, of course. Um, Any Anytown USA was amazing. Um, you ever see Anytown USA? Yeah, I have. I mean, that's another good one. Well, um, well, f- actually, funny story. My my business is for the biz- My business is first client. Ever, my first ever video client that I got all on my own was Steve Lonigan. Wow! Yeah, That's I've crazy. known I've known Steve I've known Steve for several years. Uh, I love the man to death. A um, little crazy, but love the man to death. <laughs> so, so we had kind of a New Jersey documentary battle. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's that, that, that I I I loved that. That was the greatest. It was any time USA versus Street Fight. Um, but political, but see here, but I think I think the the political documentaries that I've seen is like I feel like political documentaries are. Um, are not necessarily right leaning, which is why I probably wouldn't watch them. Um, but like, I think the political documentaries that work are the ones that pick an issue. Like, uh, what was the one I recently watched that I really liked? Was uh, the Red Pill? You guys ever see that one? No, no. It was about. Well, it, I've only seen Tickle. That's the last documentary I've seen. It, well, it, it was. It, it, <laughs> it, made, it made a big. It made a big stir. It was about this woman. She was like a a really kind of big feminist, kind of like a new wave feminist type type girl. And she wanted to do a documentary about the evil men's rights activists. And she goes through this journey and she interviews them. She finds like, oh, well, you know what? Some of these guys, some of them are a little crazy, but some of them have a point, you know? I feel like issue documentaries work really well. Broad ranging, kind of like Philip Seymour Hoffman brooding around the 2000 election, I don't think works as well to a wider audience. I mean, like, Look at the DVD we got it from, right? We got it from Film Movement, which was like a subscription-based thing for Cosmopolitan New Yorkers, yeah. you know? <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> um, it's what This wasn't an easy one to find, and, and I, th- I think it's kind of a shame because I, I like all Hoffman's work to be found. But, I mean, I, th- I, think, I think I agree with you. It is a little broad in that respect. I personally like the doc- the more like political behind the scenes documentary stuff. Yeah, like um, War Room. Like I mean, classic one, obviously War Room. Yeah, um, it's something we'll see later that Philip Seymour Hoffman do in Ides of March. Yeah, which is more like back end deal kind of stuff. And like that's, th- I mean, you don't really see that in documentaries too much because a lot of it's like obviously hidden. But I I do like that kind of thing. This is kind of the opposite, right? This is outside looking in rather than inside looking out. Um, and also, I think I think another thing that this documentary uh, kind of loses was they they made it about the campaign, but no one cares about. I mean, the 2000 campaign is like a footnote compared to the recount. Um, the the what happened after November, on November, no, what led up to November second is completely irrelevant to history versus what happened afterwards. 
and that's like a total of like two minutes in the video. That is a really, really good point. It's like who who cares about the convention? Who cares about the protest? Who cares about the shadow protest? We you know we had the Supreme Court decide an election. You know, it's like that's the interesting part. That's the compelling part about this. And I feel like he rushes that towards the end. It's like, oh, by the way, George Bush yeah. stole the election. Good night. And it was totally not. You know, obviously they can't predict the future, so it was not in their plans. So they put all this work into the beginning stuff, and they had to kind of address that. They weren't going to be like just Soprano style, like yeah fade to dark yeah and then, like you you know you can guess what happens next yeah you know? yeah yeah and they they released it in 2001 so it's like i mean like i think 2001 was also an interesting year because like you saw a lot of like you know like when we, when we see uh, not my president today right like immediately after the election it was yeah. not my president well that was a bumper sticker for bush bush was not my president was the first not my president until 9-11 happened and changed everything um the uh i think the the that, that little rush towards the end though i mean it's just like yeah, I, that's the compelling part of the story and that's why i think ultimately like it was really hard to find this i think if philip seymour hoffman wasn't in this i think no one would really care about it yeah you know? i think it might be impossible to find or, or right actually actually better yet if philip seymour hoffman didn't go on to have the career that he had no yeah. one would care yeah i mean just that we had to we had to you know, buy these, but just even on the DVD case, it makes a point. Clearly, these cases were made after 2005 because it says uh, best actor, yeah. you know, or yeah. Academy Award winning actor, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Actually, to be perfectly honest, if he didn't win that award, they probably wouldn't have re released the DVD because they were like, oh, he won. We won. We have, the, yeah. we have the rights to this really crappy documentary. Quick, get it out. Sell a few of them. Nine ninety nine each. <laughs> So, so are you going on record to say that this is a crappy documentary? No, no, I'm not saying it's a crappy documentary. It's not a great okay. documentary. Um, it was interesting. Yeah, I, I don't it think was, it's terrible. It was, a, it was, a, it was, a, it was a pleasant. I wouldn't say it was a pleasant 84 minutes. It was a pleasant. I would give it a good pleasant 40 minutes. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, what was it? It was 90 minutes in total. 84. 84. 82. 82. I have actually. Here. I personally wish okay. that he he just he just gave it up. It was gave up all the stuff they did before and just did a whole thing on the recount. Like, I think that would have been so much more interesting. That probably would have been better, but you could, they probably ran out of money or something or time even, you know, yeah. probably didn't tend to go on a film, but like, you know, you're right. That would have been better. Cause how many, how many great documentaries are like, you know, we went starting to do this and then this happened, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it, it, it and, it's you're supposed to like. I mean, I just, I just, I find the, I, fi- I find the flirt, I find the 2000 election just to be so, like that's why I was really, really excited to go into it. Was just like, I just like that, that like those three months were just some of the most interesting times, you know, politically speaking. You know, we just, we just impeached our first president in history, and then a few years, few months later, we had the, perf- yeah, you know, we had a president lose the popular vote but win the election and win by, des- by being decided by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court picked a winner. It's like, it's so, such a fascinating point in time. Yeah, and and again, like you said, they kind of they have to rush that part because they put so much work into the other part. Yeah, yeah. It just, it's the end. So just FYI, fifty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Do you guys think that's fair? Then kind of just like wishy washy down the road. I mean, down the middle. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Sure. That, Why not? I mean, in, in politics, that sounds like a pretty. <laughs> hey, I guess I guess they achieved what they wanted, right? It's got a better yeah. it's got a better approval rating than Trump, so there you go. The audience 
was 68%. You know, the audience, they're all the, they're all the liberals, right, guys? The lefties. Uh, you know, the evil lefties. <laughs> it's the hard it's left, the, soft left, center it's left. It's the alt left. No, hard the D, alt- Kyle. The hard D. Oh, the hard sorry, D's, sorry. right? The alt left. The alt, the alt D. The alt D. Yeah, there you go. That's nice. Well, according to that guy, if we, if we see too much... Uh, Hard D, we might, you know, <laughs> just, we might become, I don't know, deviants or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, anything else you guys want to touch on? Or? Uh, so, we totally forgot to ask you your favorite Philipson Hoffman movie in Roll Dan. Oh, oh shit. Is, is, that, is that a thing? Yeah. Um, okay. That is a thing. That's something we usually ask our guests. In the yeah, yeah. So, first question politically tuned in yeah. uh, first question where did you first recognize philip Seymour hoffman or see him in a film um almost famous almost famous was like the to me is the pin we just did that podcast last yeah, week we just yeah. yeah almost famous was like he that that uh, I, I don't know it's like and it's funny because like in this documentary he's like he's like that kind of ca- they have the same look you know it's like i haven't showered or combed in a few yeah months, yeah you're right you know it's yeah yeah that that, that was well uh, he, he shot i mean no, this was released right after, so you probably did this before, but still, around the same time. Is is that your favorite Hoffman role, or do you? Is some? Uh, my something favorite different? Hoffman role. I like Capote. I like Capote a lot. I think it's an interesting movie. Awesome. Yeah. Big. Yeah. Fan. No. Can't wait to talk about that one. That's for sure. Yeah. So Dan, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you for your political insight. Um, where can people uh, find you, or where can people follow you, or however you want the world to um, well, uh, touch your life? My, my website is www.danpochel.com, D-A-N-P-O-E-S-C-H-L.com. And I do have a Twitter handle. Hold on, let me look up what my Twitter handle is. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. I know, I have, I have a Twitter, and I, 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 I don't think I ever use it. I just I mainly use it to follow Donald Trump, you know, to get my... My fix, my fix in for the day. <laughs> um, it's uh, at Dan X Pochel. What is is the X your actual middle initial or no? It was back. Something there? I, I got my Twitter account like back in in the in the old in the old days when you can like didn't realize that you could use you can use space spaces, so you had to use an X. Mm. So old fashioned there. And actually, if you actually, I'm looking at my Twitter, the, the old, my Twitter feed now. It's just me signing petitions to let Gary Johnson debate. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, topical for this doc. I know, totally. Yeah. I think I had maybe like six tweets. So, as always, guys, thanks for listening. Try to check out this documentary if you're a Hoffman fan, if you're a political junkie. It's 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 an interesting time capsule. You kind of see the similarities between today's political world. Some of the differences, also just documentary world. Um, as always, like, follow, subscribe, share, comment. Let us know how you think Dan did. Let <laughs> oh, you great. left-wingers, Wonderful. let us know what we should do with with Dan's. Uh, should we burn him in effigy or what? Please, <laughs> your best idea will get a prize. Can I? Can I? Can I? Quick segue. I totally would love to be burned in effigy. I mean, <laughs> one of your life goals. Like, like in all seriousness, if you really want to burn an effigy, I will. I will buy. I will buy the scarecrow. <laughs> you could actually have some of my old clothes to to dress up said scarecrow. I'm in. <laughs> well, Dan, just I mean, you want to be burned in effigy, but just to keep uh, some people at bay, uh, we uh, remind people to stay uncool. 
So why don't you tell our listeners uh, that's how we end it, and we'd like to have our guests say that to them. Stay, stay uncool. Boom. Boom. Thank you, Dan. No, thank you. I'm starting to make your effigy right now. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sex of things, sex of things. I believe in miracles.